All right, let's get going. Welcome to the Splunk podcast hosted by Hurricane Labs. Um, I'm Kelsey Clark, your very broken Hurricane Labs marketing person. I'm Tom Kupchak, uh, equally broken technical person. I'm Brian Cusick. I'm just visiting from New Jersey, splunking over there. So he lives in New Jersey, so clearly something is very broken with him. <laughs> Obviously, yes. And I'm Tim Baldwin, the very broken Tier 3 implementation, Splunk senior guy who actually does Splunk. I'm glad we're all broken here. Um, actually, speaking of broken, I want to talk about broken hosts right now. Oh, yes. Now, <laughs> that, those... that was a segue right there. <laughs> Thank you. I thought that was pretty good. For those of you who are new to the Hurricane Labs podcast world, uh, we've released a app for Splunk called the Broken Hosts app, and you know it helps you determine if your data is broken, uh, not coming into Splunk anymore. And we're currently working on a major, major rewrite of the app. We're basically rewriting the app from scratch, and uh, we're going to be improving the performance. Uh, we'll be uh, improving the flexibility. So there have been some features that. Um, have not been able to be implemented in the current app, and so we're hoping to uh, add that uh, flexibility so that if there's something random and off the wall that you want to do, it'll be able to do it. And we're adding some cool dashboards that will uh, help you figure out why it's broken. Uh, the current app will tell you that something's not sending data, uh, but the next question is why? Why is it not sending data? Why did this stop coming in? Um, some of it could be that the server is down, could be that some Splunk app was removed to bring uh, the that has the inputs, and uh, it could be a whole bunch of other reasons. So we're trying to help you figure out what those reasons are and why it stopped coming in. Uh, we're looking at a feature that was introduced in Splunk 7.0, the metrics store, uh, to see if that's an option to use for this to uh, really, really speed up the performance of uh, the, the search since everything we're working with is numbers it fits perfectly into what the metric store is and if, if you're not sure what the metric store is uh, go to the Splunk docs and take a look it's a really cool feature that they put into Splunk 7.0. So not not to interrupt you but I'm going to anyway um, so just so I'm understanding so if you are someone who's a Splunk admin and you've had a search fail because the data isn't there that's where this comes yes. from? Yes. Okay. Uh, we, we don't want you to find out that your data is missing when you go to search for it. You know, We want you to know before you have customers come to you and say, or users come to you and say, hey, I got inconsistent results, I got weird results, I got no results, and it's because, oh, we haven't been getting our firewall data in a week and a half. Why didn't anybody tell me? Why didn't we know about this? This is a tool to help you do that. And that's especially important for sources where you can't easily go back on that data. Like some things might archive the logs for a period of time where you can easily get them. Windows machines a lot of times will store them for weeks. Firewall logs a lot of times, if it's generated as the event happens in a stream of consciousness type way using syslog, you're kind of out of luck. So exactly. that's uh, important to have that sort of thing because you could have a bad time. Or for um, data integrity. Like, I don't know how many times that thing has told me that my data is coming in four hours into the future where, uh, you know, time to fix some things. So. Yeah, and, and uh, that's a good point is we're, we're going to try to improve the um, – there's a current capability in the app, and it will alert you if data is coming in with a timestamp in the future. 
um, which is, uh, you know, unless Stephen Hawking is wrong, it's not possible. Um, so, uh, so we want to figure out if our timestamps are off, and we're, we're, we're hoping to do some really cool stuff uh, improving the notifications around timestamp integrity. That said, if any of you are actually generating logs in the future that are correct, call me. Yeah, talk to us. We want we want to know because that that is the next big thing. So I know I mentioned one of the newer uh, capabilities of Splunk that was introduced in Splunk 7.0, but also recently Splunk has introduced uh, seven, version 7.1, oh, yeah. which has some additional uh, cool features that uh, we wanted to talk about. The good thing I'd say about 7.1 is you'll know right away if you're running 7.1. You don't even have to look at the version, at least right now. If right. you're listening to this a year from now, you you may not be able to go by that. But you'll know you're running 7.1 if you're not running 7.1 because it looks completely different. The, the buttons are generally in the same area, so don't freak out. Uh, it's just a visual uh, styling uh, is a little bit different, um, a little bit more modern. One of the best features, I think, that they added with uh, the Splunk installer, the first time you install Splunk, uh, with the new version, uh, and, and this doesn't apply for upgrades, this is only for new installs, uh, there's no such thing as admin change me. And if you know what that means, um, Splunk had a default username and password when you installed Splunk that you were able to use right off the bat. The new version does not have any default password. When you first install it, it will prompt you to uh, supply a password to be used for the admin account, which is really cool. You know, being a security product and all. If we're going to have a Screencast for that, correct, Tom? Yes, we're going to have okay. actually two screencasts. <laughs> one that'll show you a quick overview of what the 7.1 UI looks like. Uh, and if you've used Splunk before, it will look similar from a usability perspective, but from a actual how it visually appears, it'll look a lot more modern and cleaner. Great. So I found the nice thing about it is the learning curve was pretty close to non-existent for most of the actually doing something out of Splunk. So that was awesome. So unless I delete everything, including the podcast and the screencast, we'll have that. I do have um, a backup copy of it, so you'd have to delete wow. it from Google and also somehow, like, hit my laptop with a hammer as I, like, drag it across the table. So you don't... I mean, it is a Mac. I'd be perfectly happy if you did that, but, you know, probably some other people here would complain. I apologize to the Mac fanboys listening Seriously. to this podcast. I, I, do not, I do not apologize to them. <laughs> I think uh, one of the things that I don't want to miss with 7.1 um, is the ability to do uh, what's called searchable upgrades or rolling restarts. So uh, basically, when you're upgrading Splunk, at least from an administration perspective, um, it, it requires a good deal of downtime, right? So like your users can't search during this or if you're, you know, search at your own risk pretty much. So uh, the server's got to come down to get upgraded. With the concept of, uh, I mean, indexer clustering, search head clustering, and a couple other things that Splunk does behind the scenes, um, they've allowed for like uh, pretty much minimal search disruption, right? So I think that's an exact quote from their documentation. But you can upgrade one box at a time, and you know, a 15 indexer cluster or, or something like that, and not have to worry about you know spending hours overnight doing that just so you know. Everybody can search at all times. That's already built in now. So once you get to 7.1, of course. Do you know if that um, 
is the 7.0 to 7.1 upgrade is like that, or is just everything after 7.1 will be able to do that? No, it's once you get to 7.1, okay. then moving forward from there, as far as I know, yeah. Gotcha. It, yeah. I mean, so it's of no use yet, but it will for sure be used plenty. Since we're talking about 7.1, I want to make sure I caution anybody who's running enterprise security. Oh, yeah. If yeah. you're running Splunk Enterprise Security, do not upgrade to Splunk 7.1. There is no version of Splunk Enterprise Security that is compatible with Splunk Enterprise or Splunk Cloud 7.1 at this time. That is a that is a direct quote from somebody at Splunk with first-hand knowledge. And just specifically, since you might be listening to this podcast months from now, this is specifically refer referring to Splunk 7.1.0 and Enterprise Security 5.0 or any previous version of Enterprise Security released at the time. But, you know, tomorrow they'll release a version of that. Well, the, they, um, the next version of Splunk Enterprise Security is in the works, and the one thing that they're working on is compatibility with, with Splunk 7.1. So currently the highest version of Splunk Enterprise Security that is available for download is ES 5.0.0. Any number that's higher than 5.0.0 should be compatible with Splunk 7.01. So speaking of stuff going on in the security realm, let's talk about Phantom. So yes. Splunk recently closed its acquisition on Phantom Cyber Corporation. And I'm wondering how you guys are seeing Phantom and its combination with Splunk. Um, how's it helping solve security teams issues? What's What's going on with that? So for those who don't know, Phantom is, a, is an automation product. So the kind of the workflow is, uh, you know, uh, Splunk and or ES finds something bad that happened. It sends some information to Phantom and Phantom does some things. And those things could be investigation things where it looks up uh, an IP address in a th uh, threat uh, intel feed or something. Or it could be an, uh, an action on your firewall, block this IP address. Um, it could be they have some sandbox integration where it could say take this URL or take this file and detonate it in this sandbox environment to see if it's malicious or not. Um, and, and things like that. And it could also report back into Splunk, create events in Splunk after it's done to say this is what happened, this is what it is, and then you can report off of it there. This, the, the acquisition is really exciting for partners like us as we've been seeing our customers be more and more in, interested in this uh, type of automation. Um, and we're excited to see what it can do for our SOC as well to kind of automate some of their tasks uh, that they tend to do. Yeah, I was wondering what you all have been seeing in terms of our experience with it and where it's going, where it's headed. I know. Um Everyone I talk to pretty much is all about automation where it can happen. Maybe not complete, you know, take my job away. But um, that's that's one thing I've noticed with this is you definitely still need your, you know, intelligence security engineer analysts um, to know what we want Phantom to do, right? But um, I've definitely, I mean, there's so much potential here. Like it, it pretty much buttons up the process of, collect data from my endpoint of what is actually going on in you know different areas bring it into Splunk where we can figure out you know what happened and then tell Phantom what exactly to do with it so it's more of an end-to-end -end process it kind of 
you know, that missing piece. You know, if you have a process where it, it's well-defined and you have step-by-step, sure. anytime we see X, we do Y. Cleaning an infection, for example, is something that, that this can do. Applying patches when you find that a particular box is not patched against a certain vulnerability, things like that. A lot of like research type things would also be good where you know when you get something that comes through your Splunk system that's security related, you're always going to be looking for certain sources of information. Yes. Having it pull that so that your analyst doesn't have to do that. And, and that's exactly where the the benefit for the SOC analyst is going to come into play mm-hmm. where you know we'd get an alert and our SOC analyst would spend 20 minutes or so gathering data from all of these different places that we don't necessarily want to use the license in Splunk to be ingesting it all of the time because we only need it when there's an, an issue and we're doing an investigation, or it's something where we need to see a live current um, status of something. We can bring that information together automatically and, and already have that in the alert when the analyst gets the, gets the notification. And really, that's just a little plug on the Hurricane Lab SOC side where... What we try to do when we get alerts from customer systems is to provide that context and a lot more than just being a person copying an alert into a ticketing system and saying, hey, here's an alert. Because you could easily automate that and having the person there just to do that is stupid. We want to have the ability to provide that context and knowledge about the actual security so threats the, that are happening. The human element is still very important. Oh, yeah. Oh, right. So right. so the, the way that you know, the, the way that this is planning on being uh, helpful is, um, you know, the, the Splunk and, and ES generates the alert, this event happened. Then we gather the context, and that's what one of the things that Phantom can do for us is provide, um, you know, context. This is the, the patch level of the system or, or whatever it is. And then the analyst, instead of spending all of their time gathering the data and and getting that context, they can spend their time actually looking at it and making the intelligent decision as to, you know, what to do about the problem, whether it's a false positive, um, whether the system is, is, you know, whether it's not a big deal because of whatever context of the system or what it's trying to do, whether it's um, something that we need to alert the customer right away or something that we can just open a ticket. You know, the criticality level, you know, that kind of stuff. We, you know, and we also need people to be able to see the big picture too. If we start seeing uh, similar things that are not necessarily exactly the same across customers or across systems, um, that's the kind of thing that, that, you know, we're we're not going to replace people with Phantom. So, you know, I I don't want to oversell um, what Phantom can do. You're not going to be replacing people with Phantom. You're going to be um, getting your analysts to analyze the context instead of having your analysts spend all of their time touching systems and, and getting context before they can even make a decision. I would almost say that using Phantom is kind of the SOC equivalent of replacing a pen and paper with a calculator. You, you're giving them tools to be able to do their work quicker and more efficiently with less errors. Well, and they can make better decisions, yeah, right? right? If if uh, if I'm an analyst and I get part of the context and I make a decision based on uh, part of the context because I'm not going to have time to go and, and do a full hour's worth of data gathering, whereas a tool like this can do that 
what would what would take a, an NOS manually an hour to do, this can do it in 10, 15 minutes, touch all these systems simultaneously, bring the data back, and then the, the analyst can spend their time you know, thinking and correlating and analyzing the, the results. What's really great about it is it's something that you can customize to either use very passively or very actively or somewhere in the middle where, let's say something happens, some kind of, say we integrate with Splunk Enterprise Security, right? So ES kicks off Notable, uh, sends it to Phantom, Phantom runs a playbook that says, uh, you know, let me collect data from like these three different places and present it for my analyst as a calculator, like you said, so they don't have to go and do that as well. You can either use it passively there, or if it's something that's very repetitive and known issue in your environment where this system got infected again, I just want to clean it. Um, you know, you can have playbooks that you know just go do that, or raise tickets in Zendesk or or anything like that. So it's very versatile. Looks like it's going to be fun. So. And really, we're just learning and scratching the surface right now as to what you can do with this. Right as it becomes a new product that we're working with and a new product that's in Splunk's portfolio of products. So I think that the sky's the limit, but there's definitely going to be a lot more cool stuff that we'll see in the coming weeks and months. So I want to talk about Brian's picture that I'm actually going to post (laughs) that he got with uh, some very famous people like Donald Trump and Kim Jong-un. Why don't you talk about it? First, don't judge me. It was Bourbon Street, New Orleans. So <laughs> you take a picture when you're on Bourbon Street, New Orleans. Of course. Um, I'm just pulling this up so uh, Tim and Tom here can see. But... Oh, I've, I've seen it. <laughs> <laughs> we have the evidence. <laughs> Splunk had their yearly, I think, third annual um, partner technical symposium, which, if you don't know what that means, it's basically Splunk gathers their partners that you know can make it out there, and we talk about... Um, really what we're doing to make the customer's experience better uh, with our partnerships and um, possible new things that are happening this year that we want to be prepared for so we can best service you guys. And it just so happened to be on the corner of Canal and Bourbon Street in New Orleans. Um, I had never been in New Orleans, so it was definitely an experience for me. It's been one heck of a month. And uh, I don't know really what was more exciting, the sight of Bourbon Street at night or, or really all the things that Splunk has coming down the line. So, that's, so I think um, we should focus on the stuff that Splunk has coming down yeah, the line. Sure. The well, podcast, <laughs> of course. <laughs> oh, that's right? good, though. I mean, that's a good energy there. So Yes. <laughs> I mean, I can tell you everyone at Splunk was just excited about Bourbon Street as Splunk. So, um, what were some of the, sure. I don't know, a couple of the main points that you got? A lot of things, I mean, a lot of things there are just getting faster, right? Like there's a bunch of stuff that, you know, they talk about that um, is kind of forward looking. So it's things they want to do or, or directions they want to go. So, you know, you don't you don't bet everything on them. But it's just very nice to see that uh, Splunk as an organization is looking to just listen to their customers. Like we listen to our data um, and, and go where our customers want us to go. It just makes sense to do it that way. So a lot of things were based around speed of, uh, you know, just products and, and how to make things better and things like that and new products to get into uh, not so much different venues, but like I know there's a product just came out about um, the IoT, Internet of Things, right? So we talked a bunch about that and that is a cool space. Like there is, there are so many data points. I remember 
I think last December I made the decision to splunk my WRX in the middle of December at 5 o'clock every morning because I just had a newborn and I was an idiot. But, um, <laughs> Um, That's I mean, awesome. there, there were hundreds of data points, right, for like every thousandth of a second. So just the world of like industrial Internet of Things is is pretty astonishing on, on what you can spunk and, you know, what you can make sense of. Just because I'm sure our listeners are probably curious about that, what sorts of data do you get from a Subaru WRX at 5 a.m. in the morning, shortly after you have a new birth? Well, <laughs> you, you get to know which neighbors are awake by default, which okay. neighbors you wake up after you change out your exhaust. Oh, um, good for them. <laughs> yep. Uh, I don't think that's more specific, though, right? <laughs> no, but um, I did use a tool that uh, um, did allow me to you know, just look at different levels of turbo boost and, you know, just a whole a whole slew of things, right? Like I put a, a new intake system on my car and just the, the difference that that made, the return of investment was great because the, the temperature of the air going in before versus the temperature of the air coming in after I made that change was very significant. And you can just feel it in, in how the car rides, so, and how it picks up at a red light, which is nice. So you can go from zero, you know, to, zero 50 to 50 miles an hour, like normal New Jersey driving. Yes. And to be honest with you, I don't know if it's good or bad that I did this after I became a family man, because I drive it like you're supposed to drive it anyway, not like, you know, a race car driver. So, hmm. I mean, it's probably a little safer, but who knows. So next year, I'm going to be splunking my uh, McLaren P1, just so everyone's aware. Wow. Yep. <laughs> That's coming have, up in my future. Have you made sure that there's <laughs> okay. a spoke compatibility like, kit um, for okay. that? Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, of course. Everything, I'm that too. <laughs> everything can write to some sort of CSV is, yeah. is my motto. So that's pretty awesome. Well, see if McLaren's listening to this and they want to sponsor a Splunk project with oh, it. That's okay. how you got to do that. You got to oh. do the marketing right. Perfect. Yes. I'm sure they'll. I'm sure they'll be right over that. You know, they want it. They want it to say like our car has these Splunk dashboards that you can use. And, and, and Splunk should get on that partnership too. You know, if Splunk wants to buy me, you know, maybe a Tesla. Yeah. You know, oh. may, maybe I can, now, I'll, air I'll Splunk. Would, air temperature wouldn't matter for that. All, that's right. I, I Splunk all of the data Voltage. from that. And then I would write up whatever they wanted me to write up, and I would go wherever they wanted me to go and talk about how I Splunked my brand new Tesla. And I'll pay for the storage. Just give me the car. So many great ideas coming yeah. up in the future. <laughs> I, I think if any if anyone who's listening can make any of this happen, you know, Mr. Musk, be more than happy <laughs> to. Uh... If you go get his car from space. I'm sure he'll. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought he was I, in Mars already. I, He's I, not there. Oh. I, I want I want the one you sent us, not. Um, <laughs> Just no kidding, idea. Elon Musk. He's so, you know how many miles that thing has traveled without having to be recharged. Oh. <laughs> It's brilliant. Yeah. He has solved the problem of electric vehicle range. It, it, you just on, put it on a rocket that's right. and you send it into space. <laughs> the, the average number of miles without a recharge is is very much. And think about what that does, does across electric vehicles as a whole. Like statistically, that's so much of an outlier <laughs> that like the the EV miles before being charged has just shifted so significantly. Oh Tom yeah, just got so serious. Oh, <laughs> look at the time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so thanks to all of our listeners for putting up with us. That We covered, you know, what's new in Splunk. We've looked at the Broken Hosts app and what's going on with that. 
phantom, you know, automation or orchestration to help improve socks. And that's S-O-C, not S-O-C-K. And we talked about some cars. And I think that's it. So unless anyone has anything else to add. If, if you manage to tolerate this, you should look at our website for more cool Splunk stuff. Yeah, we have yeah. Splunk tutorials, Splunk apps. Plenty of things that are probably more useful than any of the words that just came out. <laughs> probably. Yeah, in fact, if you just wasted however long of your life listening to this, you probably really owe it yourself to read things on the website because then you'll actually learn something. You definitely should. All right, thanks so much, and until next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks, guys.